Welcome into the Talk of Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. Our Twitter feed, talking underscore Tide. You can get the Talk of Tide podcast at Apple Podcasts or any other podcasting app you prefer. Also live on YouTube, live on Facebook, about anywhere you want to get a podcast, you can find Talking Tide. Our sponsors on Talking Tide, North River Dental Associates, Peter Brook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, and of course, DraftKings. Got a lot to get into on this edition of Talking Tide. A Sunday nighter, Travis. We begin by following up on Alabama's loss to the University of Kentucky, a home loss for the Crimson Tide. Final score 66 to 55. Crimson Tide goes down to the Cats. They now fall to 14 and 9 on the season and now two games under 500 in SEC play Travis four and six uh, with that mark and and really Travis despite the fact that Alabama did hold a, a slim lead through parts of the first half this was a to me this was a game that kind of felt like Alabama was really never in it from the time Kentucky kind of took command right before halftime and then from there pretty much all the way through the second half. Yeah, and the surprise in that is you actually got some production from your post in the first half. Charles Bediaco had 10 points, but I don't recall a night like this for Alabama guards, at least in the last season and a half under Nate Oates. This was dreadful, to say the least. And you figured with Oscar Shibwe in the post for Kentucky, Alabama's guards would have to come up at least somewhat big, maybe not to the extent that they did against Baylor a week ago when the four guards combined for 64 points, but you're definitely expecting a good bit more than what Alabama got out of Jaden Shackelford and Javon Quinterly and Keon Ellis and J.D. Davis. And Davison came on a little bit in the second half, but now, there's just not many games that Alabama's going to win against anybody in which they go three for 30 from the three-point line. Yeah, one for 16 in the second half. Kept firing mm -hmm. and kept the – That's who we are. That's who out. we are. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. You, you know, and and you know, when you're talking – and we've seen it twice in a row now with big men. Of course, there were eight blocks from Auburn's big man in the previous game around the rim. Uh, and Kentucky, of course, they're always big and, and hard to score on at the cup. If you're shooting cold from three-point range – and you're dealing with trees like that around the rim, trying to drive the lane. You got to at least, to me, start at least trying some of the teardrop runners, right from from six from that six to eight foot range. Because you know I'm all for you know taking it up strong and getting calls and and, and drawing fouls, getting to the line, putting big men in foul trouble. I get all that, but if you can't finish often enough against those types of guys, then you just got to get the shot off. Yeah, you do. You got to get to the free throw line. Alabama did that okay in the game Saturday night. 24 free throw attempts, not a great percentage in making 16 of those. So, you know, 67% is an awful, but they've been better than that at times during SEC play. And really, points in the paint wasn't the killer for them like it was at Auburn when they were outscored 30 by 30 in the paint. They were minus four in this game. And you're right, in most years, Kentucky's length isn't just limited to, say, an Anthony Davis in the post. They are long at the guard positions traditionally. Although Ty Ty Washington this year, Severe Wheeler, they're a little different type of backcourt 
for Kentucky than what we've seen traditionally in the past. So, you know, Alabama still had some opportunities also inside the three-point line, but as you said, just abysmal shooting all around. I mean, when you talk about Shackelford and Quinterly and Ellis and Davison, you're talking about nine for 40 from the field from those four guys. Uh, and, you know, again, we just talked about the three-point shooting. So it wasn't just that they weren't making shots from deep. They just weren't making shots from really anywhere. And I thought defensively they were good enough in this game, unlike Auburn and some previous games that we've seen from them. Uh, that wasn't the issue Saturday night. No, they, they, they gave up a C-note to Auburn. That, that was a, a disaster of a defensive performance. 66 Kentucky to Kentucky, that, that's a good enough defense. At home? Yeah. You'd think you should be able to shoot it well enough to beat 66 points with the way they play. For sure, for sure. Three for 30, again, from three-point range. And it was just awful. And I don't think a lot of those threes were forced either. I think Alabama had good looks. I think they've had threes. good looks a lot of nights in SEC play, but they have not gone down, Chase. I mean, they're no. well under 30% from three now in conference play. Shackelford and Quinterly both 2 for 11 from the field overall. They combined to go 0 for 10 from three-point range, so a rough outing for those two shooting-wise especially. James Rojas 0 for 4 from three-point range. Travis, last year I uh, uh, I changed Herb Jones' light from green to red on three-pointers. <laughs> I, you doing that I, with uh, Jimmy Rojas now? Yeah, Is that what I think he's I think, not I Jimmy think, Chitwood. He's Jimmy for the Rojas. time being, yeah, I, I, th <laughs> I think his contributions need to stay in the red paint. light. Rojas, <laughs> we'll start calling him on the podcast. How about that? So, and I like Rojas. I, I think he brings too. a lot to the table. Yeah, it brings a lot of energy. They are they. They need him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I think Nate has a tendency to hand out those green lights a little literally. <laughs> I wish I'd played for Nate in middle school. You know. <laughs> That's right. I was about 4-3, and that's about all I could do. And I didn't even do that well. But according to Coach Oates, let's get him up. Um, no, I mean, you know, this is a this is a quality Kentucky team. There's no doubt about it. It's a top-five team. This isn't Auburn, though. We talked about that in relation to Alabama going from Baylor to Auburn from that Saturday night game to the Tuesday night turnaround down on the Plains and then going from Auburn to Kentucky. And even though we saw Auburn struggle mightily at Georgia on Saturday, really should have lost that game in all likelihood. Um, Kentucky's very good. I, I don't think Kentucky's reached its its ceiling as a team at this point, still ascending. Um, but it's certainly a better Kentucky team than Alabama swept a year ago in those two meetings. And as we continue to learn, no Herb Jones, no John Petty, no Josh Primo, not just offensively what this team has lost and hasn't been able to sort of backfill for uh, defensively and, and on the ball. Although, again, not bad on Wheeler. Wheeler didn't score in the game for Georgia. That sounds good. And he had seven assists, so he was impactful. Right. Uh, Ty Ty Washington had 15 but as much as anything, balance for Kentucky on a night when Shebway didn't go for 20-plus. You know, they had, what, four or five guys in double figures? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And, and uh, you know, Betty Ako ended up leading Alabama in scoring with 12 points. I guess that's never going to be – it's a good out offensive outing for him, not what you want to see in terms of uh, the leading score. The eight the rebounds you like, too, from Betty Ako in the game. Yes. That's a big number for him. 
Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. I, I still think I still contend the next step for him is bet is ball security, right? You do see it get him he gets it stripped away here and yeah. there. He'll get the jump ball tie up on him sometimes. That's mm-hmm. what he's got to get out of his game, uh, for my money, and, and uh, he'll elevate from there. Up next for the Alabama basketball team, Travis. They'll be traveling to Ole Miss. That'll be on Wednesday night, a 7.30 p.m. tip-off broadcast on SEC Network and a chance to rebound after losing two in a row. You you talked a couple weeks ago. You were looking ahead to this stretch of Baylor, Auburn, Kentucky as a real grind for Alabama. They emerged from that stretch one and two uh, with a big win over Baylor that's a quad one win uh, for the Crimson Tide. Uh, but uh, not strong at all in those uh, two follow-ups. Yeah, and, you know, the net rankings, all those things for Alabama are still favorable in terms of the NCAA tournament. But, yeah, you've got to win some conference games at some point. They've lost four straight on the road in the league. They need to rectify that situation ASAP coming up on Wednesday night uh, in Oxford. At the same time, How many times have we said it throughout the season? Well, here comes a stretch that's manageable for Alabama. This is where they can make some hay. We said that about the road trip to Missouri. We said it about the road trip to Georgia. We know what happened in those games. So, you know, Ole Miss isn't uh, upper half of the SEC team, but we've already seen Alabama lose these kind of games. So as much as anything at this point, you're wondering about the confidence level for Alabama going into that game Wednesday night. Yeah, for especially with the shooting, no question. Yeah, but, uh, you got to make shots on the road, man. Yeah, they got a rebound for sure, and uh, Ole Miss will be an opportunity to do that. Four and six in the league once again to be looking to go to uh, five and six with a a victory in Oxford if they can pull it off elsewhere. Travis, in basketball news, a proposed new basketball arena. These are just plans that still need approvals and rubber stamps etc. from the UA Board of Trustees. And we're talking about years, uh, not months, before Alabama is in a new home arena. However, uh, new arena proposal would hold 10000 plus, 10000 and change at a cost of $183 million. A couple other notes on it. Construction bids wouldn't even begin until April of 2023. So we're talking 14 months before construction companies are even throwing their hats in the ring. So it could be a while before they're bouncing basketballs in that place. But uh, after uh, what many Alabama fans would consider uh, long overdue, it, it looks like a new arena is afoot. Yeah, it's interesting how we went from the renovation uh, expectation uh, in the last 18 months or so to an entirely new building, which I'm totally in favor of i think that's where you're at in terms of the total fan experience and also the ability to create a special environment i think that's what's got to happen there's only so much you can do with coleman coliseum to make it as friendly as it can possibly be um so i i love the idea i'm with you it's kind of a shame that we're probably still this far away but you know just looking at some of the initial renderings i guess chase i like the field house sort of feel to it the design um, you know, not exactly like Hinkle Fieldhouse at Butler, but you look at it, some of that's going to be in play. And um, I think logistically it's going to be fascinating. I know Greg Byrne talked about this late in the week. Uh, where are you going to put it, you know, on the campus? Where is it going to go? 
And so uh, that's something I'm anticipating as much as anything else. You know, it's going to be a very nice building. I like the capacity that's set for it right around 10,000. I think that's plenty in this day and age. So everything about it is a positive, except you know, how long are we exactly away from seeing basketball and gymnastics in that building? Four potential locations, apparently, Travis, for this new arena. One uh, would be in the Coleman Coliseum, the vast Coleman Coliseum parking lot. So really one possibility, they'd just go right next door. Mm -hmm. Uh, Surprise, surprise, it would probably amount to a little more space for football and a little less for the law school. (laughs) But but, uh, Don't nobody buy a ticket to watch (laughs) law school classes. That's for sure. That's one possible location. Another is the band practice field, which of course mm-hmm. kind of sits between University Boulevard and Brian. You've already Drive. got a parking garage right there too. I guess you could tie into that. You could. You could. Uh, another location on Jack Warner Parkway. Another yet on McFarland Boulevard. All possibilities. The preferred location, if I'm not mistaken, is if if our listeners and viewers are familiar with the Alabama softball field. There's a pretty large parking lot on the other side of the road from the softball field. And just beyond that, I think that's where they're looking for a potential location as well. Yeah. That I've heard that mentioned and you know, that's sensible if you can tie it all into McFarland and also you've got that sort of back way out Jack Warner. Once you, um, you know, get over there and you can get into uh, Holt in that area and cut back up you know, to get back to, to 2059. I, I think about things. I always think about how the hell can I get out of this place? Right. You know, when it's over as a fan or just someone that's going to be at games. So, you know, that's a big part of it as well. You're how you're going to route traffic and do all those things and make it as easy in, easy out as you, as you possibly can. So yeah, that's going to be a very interesting part of this entire process. And, you know, who knows how much infrastructure in Tuscaloosa is going to change in the next five years alone, Chase, just based on the growth of the area, let alone the a new arena going in. Yeah. I mean, how many years in a row now have we seen barricades in Tuscaloosa? Not just a few either, good bread. I mean, you've been there since 2007. They're all over McFarland Boulevard right now, up and up and down. McFarland's North. never going to get done. No. So hopefully no, it, it, what you're doing to McFarland right now has something like a new arena in mind or, you know, and look, I guess the other side of this too is you're going down on capacity. Right. So if you're going from 15 to 10, you know, that helps you right there. I would think. Yeah. The, the nonstop perpetual construction in Tuscaloosa, it just, it's, it's, un, it's hard to wrap the mind around. It's Chattanooga <laughs> junior to me. It's about get what it good is. Bread going on it. Get good bread going on. <laughs> get, get good bread started. going on. Tuscaloosa infrastructure. Yeah. yeah, I'm not real thrilled with the way the university's enrollment expansion over the last couple decades and its change and its change of the campus from a campus you can drive on to one you no. can practically only walk on. That's yeah. not been great for the residents, Travis, but that's a whole nother podcast. Oh, yeah. Or two yes. or three or a yes. spinoff. Yeah, we, we can do that. We yeah. can do that sometimes. That's, that, that's been known to be a soapbox of mine. Uh, yeah, so just a little bit. <laughs> I enjoy it. 
but yeah. Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Want to thank you for joining us at whatever your favorite podcasting app is. Going to thank a couple sponsors of the program right now. We're going to start out, as always, by telling you a little bit about North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley, that great staff of dental hygienists that he's got over in the aforementioned Northport area. There you see the map if you're watching on YouTube. 1100 Fairfax Park right off of Watermelon Road. They do a great job. Whatever your dental needs, porcelain veneers, pediatric dentistry, laser dentistry, endodontics, dentures, they do it all. Always popular teeth whitening services as well. And on a routine cleaning, which you need to get done twice a year, they're going to get you in and out of there from door to door, typically in under an hour. The phone number is 752-3506, or you can visit them online and make an appointment that way at northriverdentist.com. I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier because, folks, we are almost exactly one week away. We might as well be one week away from Valentine's Day 2022 because Valentine's Day, one week from tomorrow as we record this on a Sunday night. So, you know, next weekend from Friday really to Monday, you're going to have your opportunities and you need to make it happen at Peterbrook Chocolatier. They got those fresh hand-dipped strawberries ready to go for you. Pre-order them by calling 205-752-0211. They can overnight those strawberries, but probably more along the lines of some of the the other stuff they do there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. You might be better with the shipping option, but they can take great care of you there. Peterbrook Chocolatier, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, 205-752-0211. Finally, going to tell you a little bit about our corporate sponsor. That would be DraftKings. The moment you've been waiting for, the Super Bowl is upon us. And in honor of the big game, the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the National Football League, giving new customers 56 to 1 odds in honor of Super Bowl 56. On either team, you just bet $5 on whoever you think will win, Rams or Bengals. If you get it right, you'll get $280 if you win in free bets. That's 56 to 1 odds at the DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can also get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the promo code TPPN. That's the Pigskin Podcast Network. To get that 56 to 1 odds deal, they'll get you taken care of. Bet five bucks, win 280 in free bets with that promo code TPPN, the official sports betting partner of the National Football League and Super Bowl 56 is the DraftKings Sports Book. And with that, Travis will turn to a little bit of football news here. Of course, the Late signing day just passed on Wednesday. Travis used to be the only one, the big one. Now it's the one that uh, is kind of the afterthought in the recruiting process. Nick Saban uh, picks up a tight end, uh, but not surprisingly making as much or bigger news than than adding a single tight end to a signing class that was all but sewn up already. Uh, Saban officially welcomes three portal transfers, Jameer Gibbs, Jermaine Burton, Eli Ricks, three guys that should have an excellent chance to uh, to play early and often for the Crimson Tide. And uh, from there, uh, the transfer portal 
slash NIL debate among SEC coaches got a little hot. <laughs> with Jimbo. Oh, I love Travis. when Jimbo, Jimbo gets hot. It just <laughs> I just love to hear Jimbo. I could I could listen to Jimbo Fisher read the telephone book, you know? <laughs> That'd be fine. Like a washer and dryer manual. I with could those, just say, Jimbo, read those, this. I just want to hear you read professorial glasses on. Oh, yeah. on the tip of that nose. Wagging that finger. Was he wagging the finger a little bit? He didn't have to, right? He's wagging the finger a little bit. No, it was uh, just tremendous soundbite, you know, and uh, I guess, you know, Nick Saban's comments earlier in the week uh, in relation to some of the NIL stuff on the recruiting trail, which is, you know, where a lot of this is ultimately going to sort of mushroom cloud because there are, there's tales out there that players that say Texas or prospects, for Texas A&M are in some form or fashion, whether it's by the coaching staff or others, and maybe this is all myth. You know, they're basically being told it's 250 K essentially. If you sign with us, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 50, 60 grand a year, something like that. We'll see. Um, to me, it wouldn't make any sense for a head coach though, to push that approach or that type of deal because you're adding that to your to-do list already, which is immense. You're trying to manage 85 scholarship guys, 115 total, whatever the number is these days. And if a player now has a problem with his deal and you have sold it to them on the recruiting trail, whose problem is it now Yeah. if it comes up? Now you're in that business too. You want to talk about a hot transfer portal, just tell a guy he's going to make yeah. 250K playing football for three or four years and then it doesn't happen. Yeah. He's Needs a red shirt, then he's a backup that sophomore year. You want to talk about hitting the portal? Be- well, now look, and I think places like A and M, Alabama too. If if that was an approach Alabama wanted to take, they, they they'd be able to they'd be able to follow through on the deals. But any type of issues that could impact those, well, that's that's very problematic. I know Jimbo's sort of response was, you know, a lot of these kids were Texas kids. Uh, that's where it started, and from there they. Uh, pretty much sold it. But yeah, I mean, you got kids from Miami, you got kids from Knoxville, Tennessee, and we've seen Alabama recruit like that in the past. So it's not to say that it's not something you can accomplish, but it just seemed a little bit random that this year of all right. years, it just came together for A&M. Like all these kids suddenly wanted to play together at Texas A&M. Right. Right. And, and, you know, Nick Saban obviously said what he wanted to say. Lane Kiffin named a <laughs> Nick, Nick Saban didn't name anybody. Lane Kiffin just said, oh. Crazy talk. A, he called yeah, it crazy talk. I think he's going on with A&M it. over there, Kiffin said. He's got a way. You know, when the when the SEC coaches get together for those meetings at the at the HQ, I, I, I just, I wish I'd be, a, I could like to be a fly on the wall to see that Lane Kiffin Jimbo handshake, you know. So. Yeah, certainly uh, uh, fun times on the <laughs> SEC recruiting trails these days. Uh, I mean, it's, only, it's, only, it's only early February, man. I mean, don't yeah. we got to pace ourselves? I said from this jump, and and I'm not I'm not tooting my horn or anything because but three two, years from now two. it might not even be it, it it might look completely different. Who knows? It, it's a it's a newly blazed trail. But I did say before NIL, when NIL, when NIL started coming down the pike, I said the best way to keep the recruiting factor out of that money 
is to just wait until the players have been on the field for a year before you throw the door open. Because then they then they've got a name, image, and likeness value. Right. Right. When you throw that door open as soon as they sign or even before they sign, that's really not name, image, and likeness value. That's I want you to come to my school value. Yeah. So, you know, now of course, No, there there's there's gonna be measures you gotta think that are gonna but what what semblance of the NCAA is gonna be left? Yeah. You know, at some point too to from an enforcement perspective, what is really the presence of the NCAA right now when you got people like Will Wade and others still coaching basketball? Right. You know, and we're talking about investigations that are how many years in the making now? It's toothless, the NCAA, from an enforcement perspective, it seems like these days. Completely. It's a different organization in a lot of different ways. And you know, even what I just suggested about waiting until players have been on the field for a year, that probably would not survive a legal challenge, not based on what we've seen so far. I think so, it's the biggest nightmare that's ever come down the pike for coaches. I mean, in terms of having to try to motivate guys and what their true intentions are now and, you know. I, talking with someone that's familiar with Doug Marone, it was already a headache for him at Alabama. Not that he had specific instances that were problematic during his year on the job, but you combine NIL with the one-time transfer rule, mm-hmm. you got a different player you're trying to coach now. Right. Just even with the one-time transfer rule alone. You know, Doug Marone's trying to coach up guys the way he thought or the way he remembered coaching up guys in college the last time yeah. he was in college. Nah, 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 nah. It doesn't work that way game. anymore. No. They, they, these guys know they have that. They know they have that escape route. And yep. they can go anywhere free, yep. you know, of any type of uh, restriction. And so – it's an entirely different deal just from that perspective. You put NIL in it now. Oof. It's it's I, I don't think I don't know. I don't know if we're going to because the money is still going to be good enough at the college level and the multi-year deals are going to be there for college coaches. I don't know. We're going to exactly see the exodus. Just let me go to the NFL then and coach mm-hmm. if I can. Um but it, it, there is a drumbeat growing louder and louder at a lot of places that you know, it's it's a problem trying to coach some guys the way you feel like they need to be coached with the one-time exception. And then there's head coaches that will go to the position coach and go, what the hell's the problem? You know, right. I got this guy coming to me telling me he's going in the transfer portal. Well, coach, I'm coaching him. Right. You right. know? So, there was a time, Travis, when coaching in the NFL versus coaching college ball – was kind of a flavor issue, right, for a yeah. coach. Now it's not about flat. Now the NFL oh. is flat out more appealing because it's just about football there. I can tell you, and, Doug Marone, when he went to Alabama, the sentiment was after what he went through in Jacksonville with Jalen Ramsey and a lot of those cats, Yeah, he was thinking, man, this is going to be refreshing. I'm going to go down to college, <laughs> and I'm going to be able to really get, you know, grassroots and yeah. get back to real coaching. Right. And motivating young people. After a season on the job, I don't think Doug's narrative was what it was back in August. Put it that if, way. If that's or what he wants, March. if that's what he wants, he needs like, to hell, go I'm going back, back to the NFL. School. 
Or, yeah. 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 Go to yeah. Uh, that money ain't so good, you know, Drop. at Mandarin High in Jacksonville. But no, I mean, his take now is I'll just, I've got enough money. I can sit out too if I need to for a year. Right. Or go back to the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the the old school coaches that just say ah the the hell with it, right? I'm I'm just I just want to throw all this other garbage away and just teach the purity of the game that young to young kids that appreciate it. That's yeah. that's that's a high school job now. That's that's what yeah. you, that's what you're talking about. Exactly. So now and and look, Doug's got enough money socked away. If he wants to go that grass grassroots, he can do it. But um, he's still young enough that why wouldn't he want to coach? At the highest levels, you know. ESPN also reporting, Travis, that ex-Georgia quarterback Joe Cox will be Alabama's next tight ends coach. Comes from Charlotte. Uh, the Saban connection uh, is that he coached South Carolina for Will Muschamp uh, for a stretch as a wide receivers coach. So a little bit of coaching news there. And in an unfortunate circumstance as well, Pete Golding, uh, Alabama coordinator, arrested for DUI this week. Uh, we'll see what comes of that. Maybe nothing publicly, uh, mm-hmm. but you know that, that's a difficult thing to 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 wrap any commentary around. For one thing, because not all DUIs are made the same, right? Uh, there are there are DUIs uh, that are dangerous to differing degrees. You can some so you can get a DUI for being found asleep in a parked car with a BAC level that's that's slightly over the limit. Right, and you can get and you can get one for for driving eighty five, triple the legal limit. Yeah, I mean, in most instances, virtually all of them, it's inexcusable. First and foremost, you're, you're glad no one was hurt um, in any of these instances when something like this happens. And then you got to take into account sort of the employee employer ramifications. Are they in a UA provided vehicle when the situation goes down. If that happens, it becomes different more of an HR situation. And then, you know, there is counseling services and there's procedure for these situations, especially with a, a state employee that I would think if, if all of this is, is what's in play, you know, there's, there's a lot that has to go down. First and foremost, you just hope Pete's in an okay place. Um, and you're thankful again, no one was hurt. Um, and look, he took ownership for it, released a statement. I, I know. And, um, you know, you just, you, you just hope he's able to move forward in a, in a really positive fashion from here. It's going to do it for this edition of the talking tide podcast. Be sure to join us again next weekend. Travis and I will reconvene for another Sunday nighter at that time for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. Be sure to join us next week right here on Talking Tide.